Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from one of our pastors. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. Well, good morning and welcome. Um, If we haven't met yet, my name is Nick Miner and I'm the student pastor here at Gateway. So it's nice to meet you. It's it's good to be here this morning. Uh, Welcome to Gateway. Welcome to April. Um, Although, does it feel like spring to a lot of y'all yet? Spring? Yes? No? No? Kind of. I thought we had it bad. Somebody told me a couple months ago, they're like, we're going to get a reverse spring this year. And I thought that sounds made up, Um, but it has not been made up. And I was talking to my family in Arkansas the other day, and they got a tornado and then snow one day to the next. So like a Thursday tornado (laughs) into a Friday snow. And I was like, that's madness. I'll put up with the 55 degree mornings. That's okay. But this is, this is my favorite time of the year. Uh, I love April. I love summers on the horizon. It's warming up. It feels good. The the trees in my yard are starting to bloom. Uh, My chickens are laying eggs, which is nice because they shut down like all winter. It was wild. Uh, But it's a good time. It's, It's a good season. And as a student pastor, Um, And if you're a teacher in here, you know this. There is also something that all the students right now, and I'm sure all the middle schoolers and the student builders are going nuts right now. They're antsy. Uh, They're looking forward to something. Uh, My high schoolers are really looking forward to something. And what is that thing that we're all looking forward to? It's called spring, spring break, exactly. And so I went went and spoke at an FCA the other day, and I was like, hey, y'all, you know, are y'all looking forward to spring break? And they're like, oh, yeah, I've been checked out for like a month. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like, you got another, like, week, hang in there. And I, and I asked them, like, are you guys going anywhere for spring break? And some of them were like, yeah, I'm going to Disney World. Or one of them's going down to, like, the Caribbean and, like, California, all these different places. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm, I might make it to Lake Murray during spring break. Like, we'll see, you know, like, I'm not really sure. Uh, but they're going all over the place, and, and they're looking forward to it. And I'm just like, enjoy it now while you can, students, because bills are in your future. And then there is no spring break. Um, but we're looking forward to spring break. The student ministry, I know they're looking forward to spring break. Um, but us as a church, we're also looking forward to something uh, two Sundays from now, uh, which is, of course, Easter Sunday. And so being in church now and our planning for the past couple weeks, has been all about Easter weekend, uh, Friday, Sunday, where we celebrate um, this coming of Jesus and, and, the, and his death and his burial and his resurrection and defeat of sin. And so the next couple Sundays start today, next Sunday, and then Easter Sunday, we're starting this Easter series where we're looking at and just reflecting on the words of Jesus and what he said about why he's here, what he said about um, what his ministry was and the scope of his ministry, and also looking at how he was led to the cross and how he suffered and died on the cross, and also what he said as he resurrected on Easter Sunday. And, and I'm going to brag on student ministry a couple times to, uh, this morning because I'm a student pastor. It's in my job description. Um, but we've been, we've been walking through uh, a lot of the Old Testament the past couple of weeks, the past about month now, um, and looking at how all throughout the Bible, all 66 books of the Bible written over approximately 1,500 years, 
God is all about this one thing, uh, this one thing of, of saving the world, of saving us from this problem of sin. And the whole scripture, all of it, all these stories, all these different characters is all about bringing Jesus Christ into the world. And it all culminates, it all peaks at this person of Jesus Christ. And, and all the way from the beginning, Adam and Eve, uh, when they sinned, when they, disobe- when they disobeyed God and sin came into the world and God punished that sin, but he didn't leave them without hope. He, he clothed them. He kicked them out of the garden, but he told them there's going to be a day uh, where, where, a, where a son of Eve, where a, where a son of humanity will defeat sin. We'll, we'll step on this snake's head. We'll crush the snake's head. And so he gave them hope. He, he looked forward. And then, and then you fast forward to Genesis chapter 12 with, uh, with Abram. Jesus, or God tells Abram, from you, all the nations of the world will be blessed. So I'm going to have your back. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a land. And I'm going to make you a great nation. And fast forward to Exodus where God has brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And he's given them these rules and these laws in order to make them a holy nation that will bless everybody around them. And all, and all throughout scripture, all these stories, all these people are pointing and zeroing in on this person called Jesus Christ. But as we walk through these next couple Sundays, we also want to look at what his words were, what he said to us about why he's here, about why he had to die, um, and what he said as he gets closer and closer to the cross. And so that's what we're looking at today. And this morning, we're going to look at some of the words of Jesus in a conversation that I'm sure many of you have seen before in John chapter 3, a conversation uh, that I'm sure a lot of you ha- are, are familiar with. When I was coming up, there was a whole, you know, cute little kids play about it where people dressed up as Nicodemus and there was black lights and with the hands and all these stuff. It was wild. But we're looking at the conversation in John chapter 3 um, with, between Jesus and Nicodemus and seeing what Jesus is telling Nicodemus in his words about why he's here, about what he's going to do, and how he's going to do it. And, and just as you guys turn, turn to John chapter 3, Jesus, uh, before this, he's, he's, of course, coming to the world, and, and John jumps right into it. He jumps right into Jesus's ministry, and Jesus has started teaching. He, he's a teacher, and so he's teaching. He's doing these miracles from God. Uh, he's, he's called out his disciples, and he's, and he's started to shake things up, right? And as a religious leader, as a, as a member of the Pharisees, they've taken notice. And they said, this guy's out here doing miracles. He's out here doing all this stuff. People are starting to follow him. He's calling out disciples. What is this guy up to? And so you can assume that the Jewish leaders, the religious leaders, sent this man um, named Nicodemus to go and speak with Jesus to figure out who he is and figure out what he's about and to kind of ask him questions to see what he is trying to do. Um, and so when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, one thing kind of keep in mind is he's not just speaking to Nicodemus. He's also speaking to the entire leadership, uh, all the religious leaders whom Nicodemus represents. And so, but he gives them, and what, what I love and what's really, really interesting is even in John chapter two, the last verse, it says that Jesus is kind of withholding what he's doing. He's kind of withholding what he's about. But then the very next verse, he gets really, really upfront and really, really clear with Nicodemus exactly what his mission is on this earth. And so we're gonna walk through uh, John chapter three, verses one through 17. And we're going to see what we can learn in Jesus' words about his purpose, his identity, his mission, and also the scope of of his ministry. So let's jump right into John chapter 3, verse 1, and let's walk through this together. Uh, And in 3, verse 1, it says, Now there was a man of the Pharisees 
named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. He's asking him these questions. He, he's up front and says, like, I can't, I can't deny the miracles that you're doing. I can't deny that God is with you. And Jesus immediately responds with exactly what Nicodemus needs to know, which is his purpose for being here. And, and kind of the first main point, if you're taking notes, there's things you want to remember is that Jesus came to give new life. He came to give new life. That, that's his entire purpose for coming down to earth. That's the entire reason for which he descended from heaven to give us new life. And he, and he illustrates this by telling Nicodemus that you must be born again. Because we all know when a, when a baby comes into the world, when a baby is born, we celebrate and we're happy and rejoice and we cry because that is, of course, a new life. And so he tells Nicodemus exactly what he needs to know, which is that you need to be born again. You need a new life. And Nicodemus is confused. He's like, what, what are the, the, the logistics don't make sense. Like a man can't go back into his mother's womb and be born again. And Jesus is saying, you're not understanding. You're thinking literally. He's saying, you must be born again. That which is born of water and spirit can inherit and see the kingdom of heaven. And so we, we, we must be born again. And there's only, there's only one, my gut, Gus, my son, is a year and one month old. There's, there's one word he knows that makes him cry right now. Um, you can, you know, take toys away from him and he's fine. Uh, you can say whatever you want to him, he's fine. But if you tell that little kid, no. And if he's crawling to the stairs and he starts, you know, crawling down the stairs, or if he goes to the water bowl and he loves playing in my dog's water bowl and dumping it out all over the kitchen, he does, he does all these things. When he's doing that, you look at him and you say, Gus, no. That's the only words that just make his face just get sad and he puts that lip out and he starts crying and it's like, oh my gosh, like I didn't realize this. <laughs> but even from a year and a month old, Gus understands that not doing what I want to do is, prob is a problem for me. I, I want to cry when I can't do or be about what I want to be about. And that that's the nature of us all in a nutshell. We like to do what we want to do. And quite often in the flesh, these things are contrary to what God wants for us. And that is the problem that we all have, which is the problem of sin, and started way back in the garden with Adam and Eve, and they disobeyed God. And through Adam, um, punishment came to the whole earth. But the good news is in Romans chapter 5, that even though through Adam, punishment has come into the, one, come into the world, also through one man, Jesus Christ, righteousness and life has come, to us, has come to us all and is made available to us all. And so through this one man, Jesus Christ, through his coming down to earth, he said, I've come 
to give you a new life. And this, this is the, this is the miracle that we all get to see each and every day. And I've been blessed to see it. And this is a story of some of y'all's lives. This is a story of my life that, that God can come into a person's life who we would think would, would never step foot in this church, would never believe in anything that the scriptures say, um, is, is running on their own path, is, is, is sinning, is, is drinking, is, is doing drugs, all these different things. And we just think there's no way that God can come into their lives, but the spirit of God is able to come into any old sinner's life and completely turn it upside down and completely change their lives. And it's unexplainable. It's, it's happened in my life to where I see people who I just think, man, God, God can't work in them. And over and over and over again, the spirit proves that I'm bigger than any sin you can imagine. I'm bigger uh, through, through any disobedient person. I can come in and I can give them a brand new life. And this is the miracle that we get the witness that Jesus Christ uh, can send the Holy Spirit into anyone's life and give them a brand new life. And that's all what Jesus came to do is to give us a new life. So he gives us a new life. Um, and in nine through 14, we also see Jesus' identity and how exactly he gives us this new life. So let's keep walking through. Nicodemus in verse nine, Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do, you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and we bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who has descended from heaven, the son of man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the, the serpent in the wilderness, so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. And so Jesus right here tells Nicodemus two crucial things um, that deal with his mission. He tells him his identity, I am the son of man. And he tells him uh, his mission, which is to be lifted up. And this is how we get new life. Jesus' identity and mission are essential to giving us new life. It's, it's the whole reason why he a, is able to give us new life. Because when Jesus says he is the son of man, what that means is that he's saying, I am divine. I am God. This is a title for, for in the Old Testament for the coming Messiah, the coming Christ, that one will come who is like a son of man. So Jesus is saying to Nicodemus straight up, here's who I am. I am God. I have descended from heaven to be what? To be lifted up. And there's this, there's this crazy story um, in Numbers where the people of Israel, God has taken them out of, out of Egypt and they're wandering in the desert, which cannot be fun, but they're wandering through the desert. And their whole job, the, the people, the nation of Israel's job is to trust God, to trust what he's doing and to be obedient to him. But they're wandering through the desert, and as you can imagine, things get kind of tough, and things get rough, and they end up disobeying God. They, it says they speak against God, they speak against Moses, and they start to distrust in what God is doing. And so God, in response to their distrust, does this wild thing where he sends serpents, where he sends snakes in among the nation of Israel, and people get bit by these snakes, and people are dying. And so he sends a little bit of consequences their way in a, as a result of their disobedience. And the people, which I would do, they start to freak out. These snakes are in our camp. They're biting us. We're dying. Moses, please go to God. 
tell them we're sorry, help them like forgive us because we have sinned against God and against you. And Moses goes to God and, and here's what God tells Moses to do. He tells him, what I want you to do is I want you to take a bronze snake and to raise it up kind of on a pole in the middle of your camp. And what I'm going to do for your people is that if they're bitten by a snake, if death is coming for them, I want them to look at this uh, snake that is lifted up. I want them to look at this bronze snake and they will be saved from death. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, I'm God and I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be put to death. I'm going to die. I'm going to, I'm going to be a sacrifice for you. And that's how you get new life. And it was essential for Jesus to be God, and it was essential for him to die because through that sacrifice, we are able to be given a new life. We are able to, uh, to be close with God and to have a relationship with God. Um, in Leviticus, where Bible reading plans go to die, right? In the, in, the book of Levit- in the book of Leviticus, Jesus says in Leviticus 17 that the life of flesh is in the blood. And through the giving of life, atonement is made. And that's why God set up this sacrificial system. He he, he told the nation of Israel, sacrifice bulls, sacrifice goats. And that's where atonement is found. Because when you kill an animal, when you sacrifice this thing, the life is in the blood. The life is given to atone for sin. But in Hebrews 10, when you read it, it says that the blood and bulls and goats can never fully take away the sin. And these sacrifices had to be offered year after year. But the good news is that the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, is able to permanently take away all sin. All these sacrifices, all these laws in the Old Testament were just pointing us to the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ, who through one sacrifice, because only God is able to to forgive past, present, and future sins, we are able to be forgiven once and for all. And so Jesus says, I'm God. I'm here to be given as a sacrifice for you. And my mission is to give you a new life. And this is exactly how I'm going to do it. And then finally, in in verses 16 and 17, he gives them, um, he gives, Jesus gives Nicodemus this beautiful summary of the gospel that I'm sure we've all heard before, but it's John three sixteen and 17. He says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son and whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world may be saved through him. Jesus has, has told Nicodemus some pretty mind-blowing things. And as, as a ruler of the Pharisees, as a guy who's high up on, on the religious totem pole, Jesus has told him a couple things that, that should blow his mind. First off, he's told him that I'm God, like we just saw that. By, by Jesus saying he's the son of man, that's actually a heresy. Like for Nicodemus, that's enough to, to arrest him right then and there for claiming to be divine. But he, but he tells him he's divine, and then he goes on to tell him that, that God loves the world and that salvation is now going to be available to all who believe. And for Nicodemus, who's an Israelite, who's, who's a part of the nation of Israel, they were chosen by God to be a blessing to the nations. They were chosen by God um, that through the nation of Israel, salvation will come to all. And so Nicodemus is hearing Jesus say that the love of God is coming to Israel, but it's going beyond Israel. It's going to all nations of the earth, to all peoples, to every tribe. So every person who believes can find life and find eternal life in, in the person of Jesus Christ with God. So Nicodemus is hearing that not only am I coming to save Israel, I'm coming to save the world. 
And here we see why God and the motivation for why he's doing everything is about, why he created Adam and Eve, why he chose the people of Israel, why he worked through Abraham, why over every sin and every time Israel disobeyed, God would draw them back to themselves. It's because of his great love for us, for his great love for his creation. And that's God's motivation for doing everything he's done, for sending Jesus into the world as, as tough and as difficult and how painful it must have been for God to give up his son, to, to see him be tortured and crucified on the cross and put to death. All that is done, and he was able to endure all that because of his great love for us. And so we don't worry about condemnation. Like, like Jesus didn't come here to condemn us. When we're faced with Jesus, we shouldn't feel condemning, but we see a person who's come to save us. We see salvation through the person of Jesus Christ. And so we don't worry about condemnation anymore, but we see that we have eternal life and we see that we can be saved through him. And that's what Jesus came to do. And, and we don't know, their conversation kind of ends here, and we don't know exactly how Nicodemus responded to this conversation with Jesus, where he's told, here's my mission, where he's told, here's my purpose, where he's told by Jesus that I am God. But I have to imagine as a religious leader and as, and as a person who knew the Old Testament from front to back, I can, uh, I can imagine that Nicodemus was watching Jesus's life pretty closely. And we only get two more interactions or two more mentions of Nicodemus, in, both in, in John. A couple chapters later, the Pharisees are ready to arrest Jesus. He's, he's doing all this stuff. He's speaking against them, and they're ready to arrest him. And, and Nicodemus kind of holds them off. And then fast forward to after Jesus is put to death, um, he's, he's taken off the cross, and, and they're preparing his body to be buried. And Nicodemus actually shows up with, with I believe it was 75 pounds of spices and, and things to prepare Jesus' body for, to be put into the tomb, to be put in. And so I can only imagine that this conversation with Jesus had a profound impact on Nicodemus' life. And even though we don't know exactly what happened, we can think that Nicodemus is watching carefully to see if Jesus was, in fact, who Jesus said he was, if he was going to do what he said he was going to do, and if he was going to offer salvation to the world like he said he was going to do. And so Nicodemus watched, and he got to see Jesus' ministry, and he got to see him be put to death, and he got to see and witness uh, the effects of Jesus' re resurrection and the start of the church age in the book of Acts. And just like Nicodemus, we can look at Jesus' ministry, we can look at what he's done, and we can know that Jesus has, in fact, offered salvation to the world, offered salvation and saved us if we've put our faith and belief in Jesus Christ. And there's just, as we approach each Easter in a couple weeks, there's just a couple things that from this, uh, from this passage and also from all of Jesus' ministry that I think we should focus on and reflect on as we approach Easter in just a few Sundays. And so here's, here's just a couple things that I'm going to be reflecting on and that as we approach Easter, I think we should reflect on as well. And just the first thing is really simple, but quite often we hear it so much it's easy to forget which is simply how much God loves you. Like how much, like you personally, God loves you. And students, the student ministries um, down there, uh, we had a student teaching this morning, a senior, he showed up wearing a tie. He was like, I'm gonna teach and I'm gonna wear a tie. And I was like, all right, man, whatever works for you. But he's teaching this morning on how God told David, God told King David that through his lineage would come a person 
would come a Messiah who will have an everlasting kingdom and will reign on a throne forever. And in Acts chapter 2, as Noah's going to teach the middle schoolers, and in in Acts chapter 2, Peter kicks off the church age. And what he tells them to get the church started is that we can know with confidence that Jesus Christ is the son of David, is the long way to Messiah. And we know for sure that he is Lord and Savior. And we know that all of Jesus' enemies have been made a footstool for him. He's defeated sin. He's defeated death. He's defeated all of it. But as they're going to talk about, and as I'm thinking about, and as I think we should also think about, it's just, it's just to, to, to say that, that sometimes life can be difficult. Life can be so hard. There, there's pain. There's suffering. There, there's all these things in the world. And, and sometimes, this is true in my life, and maybe it is for you as well, sometimes it can be so difficult and things can happen in our lives and it can be such a drag sometimes that it makes us think that, that sin really hasn't been defeated, that sin really hasn't been conquered once and for all. And we can forget that how much God truly loves each and every one of us. But we, we are here, we are in this world and, and, and sin is still present. And what God wants us to do, what Jesus wants us to do is hold fast to him, to know to, and, to, and to have a relationship and hold fast to the one who has in fact conquered it all who has defeated sin, who has defeated death, and to not let the difficult things of this world drown out the love of Christ in each and every one in our lives. So let's remember how much God loves each and every one of us. The second thing I think we can reflect on as we approach each Easter is also just our walk with Christ. A relationship with Christ is exactly that, a relationship. It it involves time. It involves getting to know Jesus, reading his words, trying to to grow in holiness, to try and look more and more like Jesus each and every day. And so as we approach Easter and we approach this crazy thing that God did to send his son into the world to to forgive us all of our sins so that we can have a relationship with him, I think it is appropriate to ask, how is our walk with Christ going? Are we spending time in church? Are we spending time in the word? Are we serving somewhere? Uh, Bart wants everybody here to have community and have a place where they can serve in in the gateway family. So how is our walk with Christ going? And the final thing um, is simply this. As we approach Easter, let's reflect on also the people around us. Because just like I said that life can be really, really hard, um, life can be really, really hard as well apart from Jesus. If you don't know how much God loves you, if you don't know what God did to step down out of heaven, to descend down into, onto earth, to be offered as a sacrifice for sin. Like God did all these things so that we can have a relationship with him. But so many people in our communities, um, at your work and all these different areas of our lives, all these different circles don't know of this good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Easter is a really good Sunday to invite somebody to the church. It's a really good Sunday um, for somebody to come and, and experience the love of God. And in the I put them in my pocket and I forgot them, but they're back in our area, we have these Easter cards um, just to hand out, just, just for you to, to say like, hey, like Easter's coming up. We're gonna be worshiping at Gateway at nine and 1030. And I would love for you to join me. And, and I'll tell you guys, we have seen people from all over the nation move the Chapin. Like we've had people in student ministry from New Jersey, from New York. We've had people visit from all over the U.S. And it's been amazing to see how God is drawing people into the Gateway family and how God is moving people here. And they're experiencing this amazing church family that we have here. But also it's true that even though God is bringing all these people, 
that still 80% of people who show up and visit Gateway for the first time were invited or come because somebody invited them. Somebody went out of their way to share about Gateway, to share about God and invite them to church for the first time. And so as we approach the next two weeks and as we approach Easter in a couple Sundays, let's think about the people around us and, uh, and invite, <clears throat> invite those around us who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, there's my cards. There they are right there. They're below my Bible. That works. So, um, and I just, as I close out today and the band's gonna come back and we're gonna, we're gonna sing one final song. Um, it is so easy sometimes to forget just how much God loves us, whether that's because difficult things are happening in our life, or maybe it's because you've been raised in church and you've been told time and time and time again that God loves us. But this Easter, let's be sure to reflect on the amazing, life-changing, saving work that God did to bring us all to relationship with him, to forgive us of our sins, to fix this sin problem, and to save us and give us new life so that we can spend an eternity with Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? And then we'll worship one more time.